What are you going to have? I don't know. Looking through the menu, there's a lot of choices. This is a really bizarre diner. Yeah, and normally isn't surf and turf supposed to be like steak and, and, and a seafood? And some and a lobster claw or something, or a lobster tail usually. Yeah, but you see here, the surf and turf seems to be meatloaf and something called broiled Boston scrod. Is scrod a fish? I don't know. I mean, whatever it is, it sounds totally filthy. But check it out. They got the vegetarian surf and turf. No, they don't. Yeah, they do right there. Potato and kelp. Oh, you know, you know what we should do? What's that? Uh, I think we should order for each other. I'll bet I know exactly what you'd order. I think we should order for each other. I have a feeling that you know exactly what I don't want to order, which is why you're suggesting this idea. It'll be like that, the newlywed game or whatever, where you have to show how well you know somebody, like a, your friend or whoever, by answering questions for them. I want to know how well you know me, because I think I've got you completely pegged. I'll bet I know exactly what you would order. Because, you know, I'm also very particular about what I like. I like certain things on the side, you know? I know what you like on the side. I know hold the sun-dried tomatoes. I know how Basil gives you diarrhea. I know how you are. Normally, you're just like, I want this. He wants that. But this turns ordering into, like, a gift-giving. Like, it's like an act of nice kindness. It's like a little kindness. It's like a moment shared between friends. This was order for you. What's so weird about that? All right, okay, fine. Uh, let me just get the waitress's attention. Hi. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, well, he'll have the buffalo goulash. I don't eat. I don't like. I don't eat buffalo. Yeah, um, I was wondering if you could just like like rim the bowl with applesauce. I don't. Eat. And he'll have the side of boiled carrots and cottage cheese. Wait, I'm sorry. What what is that? Um, so that's what he'll be having. And then as for me, I don't know, Jonathan. Over to you. All right. Um, I see you have feta cheese as a side order. If I could just get a full plate, maybe, with a side order of mozzarella cheese sticks, a Philly cheesesteak, but without the steak and just the cheese. And you thirsty? Mm. Yeah, okay. Give me a, a, a big, uh, the biggest glass you have of warm milk. Yeah, whole milk. Thank you. Huh? How's that? That's, does that sound good? It sounds odd. I can't wait. You can't wait, eh? Yeah, I can't wait. What the hell are we doing? What do you mean? Why is everything like a staring contest with you? What are you talking about? We're not going to be able to eat any of this. This is how, like, arms races begin. Here we go. Here it is. Yeah, that's me. Thank you. Oh, thank you. God, I haven't seen this much feta cheese since I was growing up in Crete. God. You know, I don't, I don't think I even ever told you about how much I love feta cheese. How did you know that? You're screwing with me. What are you talking about? This is the, this is the best. This is the food I grew up on. I mean, there's like all the cheeses of the rainbow here. Mmm. I can't even watch you eat this. What are you talking about? You don't, you're not even, you haven't even touched your goulash. I can't eat any of this. I can't eat your food either. Mm. You know, it's a good thing I have a pack of M&Ms in my pocket. What a stupid idea. Mm. This is my lunch now. I'm going to be at work all day and I'm just going to, my lunch is going to be a pack of M&Ms. God, that's a good thing. Oh. Bad idea. Bad that? idea for this start. I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, 
negative scanning. I recently learned about something called negative and positive scanning. If you're a positive scanner, it means you always see the bright side of things, even when maybe you shouldn't. Negative scanning is when everything seems to be going just fine, but you still manage to find something wrong. It's not being able to wear your favorite shirt, the one that makes you feel like a different person, because there's a pen dot on the sleeve. It's not being able to enjoy your wedding day, because you're pretty sure the guy at the deli doesn't like you. I'm a negative scanner. My friend Glasgow is not. My car broke down once when I was with him, and he positive scanned the hell out of it. He said we were lucky, because for the next hour or so, nothing could be expected of us. Being stranded with Glasgow felt like being on vacation. So last fall, when Glasgow exclaimed, let's go to China, I said, sure, and I never say sure. But before I knew it, I had talked four friends into going too, though not Glasgow. Turned out Glasgow had meant let's go to China, more hypothetically. Even so, those four friends and I were off to China. Our goal was to make it to the Wolong Panda Reserve, where a record number of baby pandas had just been born. We heard that visitors could go right up to the babies and give them a hug. The website described it as a fairyland for tourists. I imagined pandas everywhere, popping out of mailboxes, campaigning for public office, or just wandering the streets, hugging. But first, Hong Kong, which was so crowded and rainy that I could have negative scanned it in my sleep. Next, Shanghai, where I came very close to buying a little grasshopper made out of a leaf on the street, but got hung up on a yellow spot in one of its legs. Finally, it was panda time. We had to take a four-hour van ride over a bumpy, unpaved road for $400 a piece, including accommodations at the Panda Inn. It was a lot of money and also a scam, but we didn't realize it until it was too late, and by then we had all agreed it was worth it, since the pandas were the whole reason we had come. The view outside the hotel was amazing, all rolling mountains and fog, total crouching tiger style, and I'm not just saying that because it was China. But I was much more obsessed about the hot water not working. I negative scanned the TV for an hour in search of an English-speaking channel. We woke up at dawn the next day, ready to complete our mission. The baby pandas were kept all together in an outdoor area filled with jungle gyms and tree stumps. We watched them roll around and play. Excuse us, we said to one of the guides. Can we please hug the pandas now? Of course you can, she said. Right this way. That'll just be $150 each. That's crazy, I said. You've gone too far. Asking us for another $150 felt to me like a line had been crossed. But by then, my friends had already weighed the pros and cons and paid the money and were about to be led into the baby panda area. I was the only one who stayed behind. I'm prepared to say that baby pandas are the cutest creatures in the world. They're cuter than a street moppet in overalls, with one strap hanging down, flipping through a 1930s picture book filled with ponies and chicks in bonnets. They're cuter than puffed out cheeks. They're cuter than watery eyes. They're cuter than the girl you had a crush on in high school. They're cuter than kittens with cones around their heads who stagger around as if they're drunk and hedgehogs who drink milk from a bottle. They're cuter than a little kid giving a littler kid advice about the world. They're cuter than an old person on YouTube. They're cuter than Bjork. Baby pandas are cuter than your own baby, even when your baby's laughing, 
Even when your baby says his first word. Even when your baby looks you in the eyes and tells you you're her best friend. Baby pandas put your baby to shame. Wasn't until I stood leaning against the guardrail, watching my friends, that I realized what I had just negative scanned myself out of. Two of my friends, Ronnie and Marina, are identical twins, and the pandas seem to recognize a kindred, cute spirit in them. They stood up on their hind legs and hugged the twins around their middles. One sneezed so hard that he somersaulted. Literally, he actually somersaulted. After five long, unbearable minutes of this, each second more adorable than the last, the guide finally said, time's up. My friends pried the last of the baby pandas from their legs. I had almost convinced myself that I hadn't missed out on much. That it couldn't have been that fun. That having cats was basically the same thing. When the twins decided to go in for a second round, the baby pandas practically broke out into applause. And even with the second chance, I couldn't go in. It felt too late. Not just to go in, but also to change who I was. In order to hug the pandas, I'd have to start all over again from scratch. So I stared straight at the sun and waited. I guess that was my version of looking at the bright side. I can eat pretty much anything except apples. I cannot eat an apple alone in the house. Why an apple? I don't know. I just feel like it's something that people choke on with the skin. And, and I don't bite into them. I cut, I cut it up into pieces. Because when I was little, my parents, when they left me alone for the first time, my dad said, and don't eat anything because you'll choke. And because you're choking, you won't be able to call 911 and they won't know what you're saying and then you'll die. So just don't eat anything until we get home. And then he was like, well, you can have ice cream. That, that should be safe. So that sort of, I think, always plays over my head. <laughs> but if I'm eating an apple alone or eating alone and I feel like I'm going to choke, I keep the door unlocked so that the paramedics can come in or if someone hears me choking, they can come in or I can just run out of the house quickly and maybe just find someone in the street that can give me the Heimlich. I work from home and my boyfriend works from home and we live together so I can always pretty much eat an apple when he's there. But like there's no one that can really, like even if my boyfriend was home and I was choking, like it doesn't mean he would know what to do because so many times I've needed him in a pinch and I haven't been able to say it distinctly and correctly. So I can only imagine if I was running in a room flailing my arms, he'd think I was joking or be like, stop it, I'm working or something would not be communicated. I just like, you can't count on anyone. And if you're meant to choke and die, then you're meant to choke and die. I mean, I don't know many people who have choked, but I don't know anyone who's survived choking either. And so when I lived alone, the one thing I tried to do was avoid eating alone in the house. And when I did, and when I finished and I didn't die, I always felt like a superhero, like I'd just really beaten the odds and looked death in the face and won.
yeah, the thing that I, I keep coming back to is, like, do you give a lot of money? To, do you give any money to charity? I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, you see, like me, I feel like I should probably be giving more. I should be doing... Like, do you do any volunteer work? Well, actually, I've I don't. You see, I don't do any volunteer work, and I feel like I should. I mean, me and Claire on Tuesday... But, you know, you see, like, you make plans to do things, and you just end up getting distracted by other stuff. Hey, look, Psychic Advisor. What are you talking about? Palm Reader. Yeah. They got crystal balls, everything. And they're open. Yeah. You uh, want to get your palm read? No, why would I want to get my palm read? You're always talking about, you know, you don't know what's going on, and you're worried about this, and you're worried about that, and everything you're just blah, blah, blahing about. You're just like hemming and hawing, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what I should do, and what I shouldn't do, blah, blah. Well, I don't know that I'm... going to tell you everything that's going to happen, and it's going to be great. You're going to leave there with a spring in your step. You're going to feel awesome. No, life doesn't work that way. How does life work, Jonathan? You're always talking about how life doesn't work. Stick your hand out, let the woman read your palm. And you think that's actually... that's going to solve things for me. It's solve things for me. It's every every big decision I have to make. That that's how you make your decisions. That's terrifying to me. You know the other thing is you don't listen. You're just sitting there. You like blah, excuse blah. me. You never listen. You're blah blah talking about this and talking about that, and you never listen. You never like you you, you just like a pine 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 about yourself. And I'm like this and I'm like that and this and that and this and that. I think you should sit down and listen to what somebody else has to say about you. A palm reader. Who better? They've had a million other palms in front of them, and they tell you what's what. I, I, I just, I don't buy that stuff, you know what I mean? No offense to anyone who does, but at the same time, I must say, it gives me the creeps a little bit. Like, when I was about 10, my grandfather read, he was sort of into that, and he told me I was going to die when I was 40. This is what my grandfather told me. So, this know, is, it's like I could predict the future. I knew exactly where that story was going. I no, was a kid, and my My own grandfather, and, and at the time, it didn't seem so bad. I mean, 40, I was 9, 40. 40 seemed very old. It seemed like I was going to have a, a very rich, long life. Well, you you know, you have had a very rich, long life. I'm curious what happens. I want to know how it plays out. Just for me. This let's is going to make in. you happy. Yeah, let's just go in. I, you know, just having you be quiet for a little while and having somebody tell you, that will make All me right, happy. All right, okay, fine, fine. That was just that was a total scam. I thought she sort of pegged you right. I thought it was great. She told me I was going to die before I was 45. Well, that's great. How is that? that that's not what I want to hear. You went in there thinking you're going to die at age 40. She gave you an extra five years. She beat your grandfather's deadline by five years. That's awesome. The guy before us, did you hear what she said to him? She told me he was going to be a millionaire before the age of 35, and I get dead by 45. But that guy, I mean, his hair was all feathered, and he's wearing a suit. You know, I mean, of course. Like, I could have told him that, you know? So you go to I palm readers like to hear nice things brain. about yourself. I don't understand you. You don't go to a palm reader to get a death sentence. I feel like crap now. Well, no, if she had said you're going to die at age 35, that'd be a death sentence. She said 45. You went in there thinking 40. You don't have to worry about that. Dude, you've got five years to play with. You can learn to dance. You can you could learn how to be a palm reader. You can do anything you want. What do you want to do? 
You see, I don't know. That's the problem. I mean, I think about things that I'd like to do. Like, you know, I wouldn't mind doing some volunteer work, you know? Well, me and Claire going to. Yeah, but you see, the problem is, though, that, like, I think about these things, and, I, you know, I never end up doing them. Well, you, you know... And, and, and the other thing is that it's not like I'm doing anything great, like, in the meantime, you know? I just... I just In the years after my father died, my mother took to a certain brand of tea, which she drank four times daily, once at breakfast, twice in mid-afternoon, and once in the evening, after dinner. She drank it with milk and honey, though sometimes I saw her use granulated sugar when the honey ran out. This particular tea came in boxes of 50 bags, and every box came with a small, pastel-colored ceramic circus figurine. It was a kind of promotion. I believe the tea was called Piccadilly Circus, and there were 15 different figurines. The lion tamer, an acrobat, the human cannonball. Every once in a while, I would be around when my mother unwrapped a new box and took out the figurine. We would sit on the table between us while we drank. When my mother died and my sister and I sorted through her possessions, we found in the back of the cellar a pile of shoeboxes with numbers written on the top. 80, 100, 75. When we opened them, we found the figurines. The numbers on top corresponded to the number of figurines inside. There were 420. I calculated. 50 tea bags times 420 boxes of tea is 21,000 cups. If each cup held about 8 ounces of tea, that made 168 ounces, which divided by 128 ounces per gallon was more than 1,300 gallons of tea. In my head, I expressed this in 50-gallon drums, about 25 of them, stacked up in a big pyramid, and I pictured them stored out in the wind and cold on a cement lot in back of an airport or warehouse somewhere behind a tall chain-link fence. It occurred to me that this was a measure of loneliness. All the tea my mother drank during the 12 years between my father's death and her own. I wondered if she herself thought of it that way. In any event, when I'm lonely, it is the pyramid of 50-gallon drums that I think of, standing in a light snowstorm, with perhaps a little creamy brown tea leaking from the bottom of one of the drums, and frozen into a dull, irregular pattern on the pavement below. I'm feeling fine. How, how are you feeling? No problems at all. Like you're, you're not experiencing any lightheadedness, dizziness, shortness of breath going upstairs. Did you put something in my food? No, no, no. Well, why would you ask a question like that? Well, you remember you sent me that CD of your radio show? Yeah. Well, I was listening to it, but I noticed that your breathing was really irregular and heavy. So then I turned up the tape really loud. And uh, I'm afraid that you might have something growing in your sinuses. 
What are you talking about? Starts out the size of a lentil, then it's like an M&M, pretty soon it's a peanut M&M, then it's a cauliflower, and then you're dead. C word, whispered in most households. Cancer. My breathing is fine. You, no one's ever commented on my breathing. Yeah, let me play you a little section of the show. You tell me what you think. You have my show there? Yeah, listen to this. <laughs> I wasn't breastfed as a baby. <laughs> Gregor, that's... But the other day when I went to get Chinese food... <laughs> what are you doing? I'm playing you back the show. You're not... That's not me. That's you. Oh, that's not you? It's you. First of all, nobody ever believes that they can sound like on tape. I'm in radio. I'm very familiar with what I sound like. Record. Yeah, you're on the radio. Everyone's on the radio. You're the king of who's on the radio. What? You know, I'm just merely stating a fact. Do you want to waste time talking about nothing, or do you want to get this tumor cut out before it spreads to the rest of your brain and you die? You know, I resent what you're doing. What am I doing? Looking out for your interests? No, you're not looking after my interests. You're just trying to get me worked up. Okay, here's you. I'm complacent. I'm the Roman Empire. Here's me. Hey, the Huns are coming. The Huns are coming. Here's you. Hey, Emperor Gluteus, what do you think about my new flip-flops? I figured I'd wear them to the games, watch some Christians get eaten by lions. Here's me. What's your problem? What are you, deaf? You're ignoring the peril. I... I'm just saying, you might have something horrible growing in your nose. You know, just with that whole heavy breathing through, like, a toilet paper tube. I'm, I'm sighing. That's what I'm doing. You hear this? Listen. <sighs> That's a sigh. It's Did you not... hear that there was like a little buzzy noise in your nose, like you're playing a harmonica with a coma? <laughs> you see, this is why I don't, I don't feel like you actually care, because th it amuses you. No, you know what? I think your problem is that you can't accept my special gift for diagnosing people over the phone. Is the guy who pulls the fire alarm on the sinking ship after it hits the iceberg, is he the bad guy? I'm sorry. Did I wake you from your nap? Yeah, Are you I sleeping think... off the shuffleboard on the Jacaranda deck? The ship is sinking. I think you're being Everyone a little... Everyone in the lifeboats. We're going down. Going you're, down. You're being a little overzealous, I think. Oh, and really? you're, you're, you're You're basically trying to murder me with words. Okay. So would you prefer that I wait until you're actually dead and buried? And after the funeral, when we're enjoying sandwiches at your house, that's when I should mention to you that I think you might have a problem? You, you're, you're, you're just trying to push my buttons. Actually, I got an alternate diagnosis if you don't like that one. Well, I have a choice in this? Well, I'm, I'm not trying to give you some definitive diagnostic thing. I haven't run any tests on you. Mm -hmm. But I think you might have a stuffed nose. Oh, so it's either the tumor or a stuffed nose? Well, we can't know until we open you up and look inside. Right, but I mean, it's, you know, it's one or the other, right? It's in that ballpark of tumors or stuffed nose. I'm just looking out for you because all kinds of terrible things can happen to you medically when you ignore a stuffed nose. You got to get in early and often. And I, I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? You're going to say thank you. Because I've created the solution to your problem. I don't have a problem. It's called the Vicks Vapor Rub Steamerizer. This isn't with the helmet again, is no, it? No, this is not the helmet again. This I'm not. I'm, I'm not no, wearing that no. thing. This is not a helmet. This is an approved medical device. Uh huh. You know how at your fancy radio job you wear earphones every day? Yeah. Well, I made the very first pair of nose phones. Meaning? They're like earphones for your nose. You take two paper clips and you got to put them up your own nose and they spread your nostrils. And then I have a special tube on each side. One end of it goes into Vicks Vapor Rub. The other end of it goes up your nose. And then I took a bulb off a turkey baster. And every time the juices get a little low, you squeeze the bulb and squirt some Vicks up your nose. Voila. You sleep with this for like a week. Your nostrils will be brand new again. What, what expertise do you have in coming up with this stuff? Do not question my expertise. You know, you complain and complain and complain about my simple solutions for you. You know what friends used to do for friends back in the Aztec days? What's that? It's called tree panning. They'd drill a hole in their head if their nose was stuffed. Empty out their brains. Yeah, they didn't just walk around blowing their nose. They didn't have tissues. They used sharpened rocks, drill a hole right through their head. Now tell me something. 
Who's the bad friend? Me or the Aztecs? I don't, you know. Choose. Choose right now. I don't even know what point you're trying to make anymore. You know why? Why? Because the snot is backed up into your brain. You can't think straight. Your head's like a bag of sand, isn't it? You're in terrible physical pain. You don't want to admit it. It's okay. I'm a doctor. You can tell me. You're not a doctor, and no, I don't. Okay, big baby. You know what clears your sinuses? What? Nothing clears your sinuses like a good cry. So now I'm going to have to make baby cry for his own good. Big baby ready to cry? I, no, no. How about I come down and I'll, I'll play you some sad stuff. I'll show you the end of Terms of Endearment in some sad movies. And if that doesn't make you cry, I got a surefire way that'll make you cry. What's that? I call it poking you in the eye with my finger. I don't want to cry, and I and my sinuses are fine. Your sinuses will be much better after I poke you in the eye and you cry out some snot. Uh-huh. With it, all your problems start flowing out your nose. Not just your mucus problems, I'm talking about all your problems. Uh-huh. Your terrible life. Trust me, you're all stopped up. I, you need to let the cork out, your nose cork. Uh-huh. Maybe instead of the sinus machine, I should call it the nose corking machine. Charlie Kine reading her story, Scanning the Pandas, and J. Robert Lennon reading his story, T, from his book, Pieces for the Left Hand. You also heard Jorge Just, Gregor Ehrlich, and Jen Kirkman, whose latest comedy album, Self Help, can be purchased at jenkirkman.com. Wiretap is produced by Mira Bertwin-Tonic, Carolyn Warren, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time, and Wednesday evening at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap, where you can download the latest Wiretap ringtone. Here's you. Hey, Emperor Gluteus, what do you think about my new flip-flops? Announce yourself as a proud member of the Wiretap gentry with every ring of your phone. Sit around the house